Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University, a company focused on the training and development of specialists and coaches. July is underway and it's a great month for sports. If you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you can find it. From the NBA and NHL playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your sports betting needs. Visit the website today at betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip-off, face-off, or pitch, check out Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Episode 40 of the podcast welcomes Alex Ward, long snapper for the University of Central Florida. Ward is entering his final season with UCF, where he started the last 23 games for the Knights. Ward is a native of Fort Walton Beach, where he attended Choctawatchee High School. Alex excelled both on and off the gridiron, playing both tight end and long snapper while graduating summa cum laude. Ward is majoring in mechanical engineering, where he is currently balancing time between football class and an internship. Alex, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's honored to be here. Yeah, man, it's a it's a privilege. Uh, for those of you that don't know Alex, he's from the Panhandle. Uh, Chalk to watch. He's one of my favorite uh, high schools. Words to say. Yeah, words to say. It's not necessarily <laughs> high school, but words to say. Like, I love it. I want to get right into it, man. Like, it's a kind of a hot topic, this recruiting I'm going to ask you about. Uh, we just went through it. Actually, we're in it now. Now it's all the 22s are the buzz and the 23s are getting flirted with. But I want you to talk a little bit about how you got to UCF, you know, how you essentially created an opportunity for yourself. You took control of your recruiting. So if you could talk about that and perhaps some positive and negative experiences you went through during this recruiting process. Absolutely. My biggest thing was I didn't play football at all my junior year of high school. So going into my senior year of high school, I had zero looks, no coaches even knew I existed. I was playing tennis full time. So uh, you know, I had my coach convince me to come back senior year and I went full football and I was going to play college sports. I knew that from when I was little, I thought it was going to be tennis. It wasn't. So when senior season came around, I was like, all right, I really got to show out. Didn't really happen, messed up my finger partway through. And so I didn't have any looks at all. When I got to the recruiting part, uh, you know, we found out after my senior year that there are college long snappers only. And so I was way behind the curve. And when I learned that I was pretty good at it, I snapped all through high school besides junior year, obviously. And we were like, all right, let's do this right. So we found a coach and then 
learned the correct form, correct technique, worked really hard on it, snapped for like, I did a hundred punts and a hundred field goals every day for like six months. So I got good enough to play in college and that was, that was the big step. And then I started calling schools. Um, there was a guy ranked like fourth by Coles. Again, I didn't know Coles existed. So he was ranked like fourth in the country out of Tallahassee, which is right by me. He had, a, he had a preferred walk on from FSU, UCF, USF, and a couple other schools out of state. And me, I knew I wasn't going to get scholarship. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna, wherever he commits, I'm going to start calling the other two. He committed to FSU, has been their snapper. And uh, so I was like, all right, UCF, USF it is. Let's go. So I started, I got phone numbers for the two special teams coaches, started calling them off the hook. It was part of a dead period, so they couldn't, or no, actually, I was an unrecruited athlete, so they couldn't call me back. And so um, they actually did me a favor by not calling me back because it uh, being that title of unrecruited athlete helps out in transfers and such. But so I got their number, I got their email, I would, you know, film 10 straight punt snaps, 10 straight field goal snaps, you know, my dad setting up a tripod and then catching them for me. And I'd send that to him like once a week and said, Hey, you know, coach, here I am. I'm Alex Ward. I'll, I'm going to call you Tuesday at four o'clock, please pick up. And then, you know, it was constant. I just kept really bugging them. I mean, they don't, they don't get bugged. You can call them as much as you want. It's their job to find the next recruit. So you know, I emailed them once a week, called them pretty much every day, like said, hey, you know, they didn't pick up hardly ever. And I said, coach, I'm gonna call you again tomorrow at four o'clock. Please pick up. So eventually the UCF coach picked up coach Jovan DeWitt. He's now at UNC. And he said, you know, love the film you've been sending in. We think you'd be a good addition to our program. We'd love for you to come down and take a take a tour of the like an unofficial visit. All right, sweet. Let's do it. And then uh, USF, the guy picked up one time, asked me, are you enrolled in school already? I said, no, sir, I haven't uh, applied because I haven't heard from you. And he said, have a great day. And that's how I got into UCF. This is wild. So, I mean, there's a lot to cover here, but I want to start with tennis player. That's 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 incredible because on this show a lot, we talk about diversity and diversification, especially in the youth to specialize too early, if, had you been a strict snapper, seventh grade and on, uh, you wouldn't be the athlete you are now. I, I think that uh, tennis indirectly, yeah, right? Like tennis probably d- directly helps you with after the fact of snapping, what you're doing next. You're, you're covering the middle of the field. You're trying to dissuade the most dangerous guy on the, usually a football team is a PR. Mm-hmm. You're, trying to, you're trying to get him out of, out of where he wants to be. And, and I think that you probably do a better job than most of that because you have good lateral movement and that came from tennis. So I'm glad that you mentioned that uh, you, you, you went outside the box, you know, you, you probably played that first, you know, so I, I really want to stress to the specialists listening, do not quit baseball, do not quit tennis, do not quit soccer. Um, it's probably going to be the foundation of why you're going to be a great specialist one day. Absolutely. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. I, when, when I see a good sized, strong looks, athletic long snapper, I ask, Oh, what position do you play? And I already know they're a long snapper. And they say, Oh, I'm long snapper only. I'm only the long snapper. 
it's just, oh, I feel so bad every time. It's like you could be developing so much more right now than getting to college and having developed later. So, you know, even if you're if you're a long snapper only right now, try to get on the field somewhere else. You know, punt return, if anything. Amen. No, amen to that. And another thing I want to say is what I took away from what you said about your story is you were relentless. I hear a lot of um, negativity uh, from both parents and the athletes in terms of, well, we initiated contact. We, we, we sent our film to X, Y, or Z. And I was like, yeah, but when was the last time? When, when did you do that? And was it only done once? And usually, mm-hmm. the answer, usually the answer is, yeah, like we, we never heard back. So we assumed well, that, that I hate that word assume. Right. And I have a saying that I'm not going to say, cause it's not very professional, but it, it does make, uh, it, it usually makes for poor decisions. You can't assume something because we don't know if it's true. So if you want something bad enough and, and you did, you were, um, how do I say it? Almost maniacal in your efforts to get this film in front of someone, because if you're going to put that effort in, sell yourself. And the way you sell yourself is to always, always put it out there and you never know who's going to take a bite. Eventually someone will, but if you only have one pole cast out in the water, you, you get one chance there. You got 10 poles cast in the water. The chances are that school of fish, someone's going to bite. Absolutely. And also the, the emails and phone calls get buried under other people's emails and phone calls. You know, they're, they're receiving film from, everybody and their mother that wants to play at that school, you know, because they're not only like a special teams coordinator isn't only recruiting specialists. He also has a recruiting area that he does. So he's got all the athletes from, you know, I don't know, five, six area codes. And he's also got all these specialists hitting them up on top of it. (laughs) If you want to be that one specialist that stands out, you know, you gotta, you gotta be on top of that email list at least once, twice, three times where it's good film and it's solid productivity. And another thing you said that I think I should stress is you didn't send the same film over and over again. What you did instead was because you worked every day, you had new film every day or five days a week or whatever it was. It was a lot. It was a high volume of film. And I bet someone probably initially saw one and then they saw another and they saw, well, this kid is not only sending me film every day, he's sending me new film every day. And, they, and he may have seen a, 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 a drastic improvement. We don't know the evaluation side of things from these coaches. Everyone handles it differently, but I, I can assure you that you became warmer to them because of what you did, your practice, not only of being maniacal and emailing, but pro- providing new content constantly to show you are in fact working daily. And I think that's probably what the catalyst was. And honestly, the, sorry, the biggest point I need to stress is you need to get good enough to get the coach's attention. You can send them, <laughs> you can send them emails all day. You can bug them, but if they don't want you on the team because you're not good enough, they're not going to respond. So get it, get it right. Get it to where they need you on the team. That's a good lead in because we're going to talk about you impress me and at fourth down you, we are different. Uh, and I know everyone says, Oh, our company's different, but we are a, a unique entity in the special teams world because we, we stay away from the stars and the rankings and the subjectivity. And instead we treat every athlete as a personal problem. Right. And I think that you treat yourself as a personal problem. And I think that the analytical side of the way you approach your training is from what it is you were immersed in in the classroom. You're a mechanical engineering major. 
And a few weeks ago, we met, we discussed uh, parallels between physics and football, specifically the kicking, punting, and snapping that you and I are involved in on a daily basis. Um, I personally incorporate Newton's third law of action-reaction to explain to specialists like and make sense of their body and its movements. Um, And as mentioned earlier, with your engineering major, like, could you share um, how it's helped your snapping and how you're using the understanding of physics to aid in your mechanics? Yeah, most of most of what I use the physics for is the efficiency and explosion on, into the ball and then shooting the ball out at max velocity, basically. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to, well, you use Newton's third law. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. If I want the ball to travel on a singular line, spinning in a tight spiral, uh, I think I introduced you to the term, uh, the resultant force of your two hands. So whatever force you put in with your right hand and whatever force you put in with your left hand, the all three axes of motion, all three axes of force must be pressed into the ball and canceling each other, except for that one velocity going on your line and then a rotational uh, force that leads to, to the spiral. So, I mean, I've, I studied hand placement a lot, you know, what I need to do, how I can, you know, I see a lot of guys with right hand, like you throw the ball, like you're supposed to, and their left hand all the way at the bottom of the ball, like close to the ground. It's not how you do it. Like that's, that's probably the worst way you can throw a spiral because your left hand has to literally fight your right hand to keep the spiral on. If you draw if you draw a line between your two hands that's in the middle of all your points of contact on the ball, it should be exactly on the axis of the ball. If you're if you're off, your spiral is going to be off, and then you have to compensate another way to get that spiral down. So, I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff, and uh, it's a lot of a lot of stuff that I'm sure some of like it's it's hard to explain on a on a podcast. Absolutely. If you don't mind me adding on to that, like I, I want to add on to that and say that from, from my side of things and, and why we, we were on here for three hours there night. I mean, and I have, <laughs> I have pictures of the things you drew in your napkin about how to find that 21 degree angle and using a 40, 43 to, to a 35 inch uh, rotating hurdle. You and I can go nuts and it's because we're so in love with it and we've dug deep and we've failed, right? Because I think we have to fail through these thoughts to find what's true. Um, but what I wanted to say is the, the deviations from normal, right? Excessive movements, aggressive movements, things that we believe to be true that aren't as bigger is best. Or, you know, if we want to be repeatable, we have to minimize uh, the variables. And, and it's what you just said. I mean, again, we can, we can really explain it, but it's hard and it's more a visual thing. But essentially what we're trying to do is we're trying to identify anything that's excessive anything that's going to add more variables. And we're trying to streamline this process. We're trying to eliminate anything that's irrelevant or not complementary to our goal. And I think in doing that and finding out what it is and streamlining a process, it is the hard work. That's the hard part. Um, The easy part is to once you found your process and once it is streamlined, how do I maintain, how, how is it sustainable? How do I keep this process repeatable through a 16 week season or whatever level you're playing at? So I want to go, I want to go further with it. Like, cause you, you and I, 
I, I, I find very few people who think of it and compartmentalize the process the way you do. And I think for your age, it's just incredible. And I think that if you continue along this path, you're destined for greatness. I mean, you're going to be able to be a mechanical engineer one day, but I think that Sundays, NFL, people like that, they value smart and you're a very intelligent guy and you know how to self-critique. So I wanted to get into that. Um, specialists at all levels are evaluated. You know, you can go to a, a Jamie Cole you referenced. You can go to a, a I'll be down in, at IMG this weekend doing a camp and I'm going to evaluate specialists. And the data is often collected through charting, you know, field goal charts, snap charts, punt charts, kickoff charts. And I use the charts a little differently. Obviously, I'm going to separate who's the best from the worst. But in addition to that, and where I think that you took it to another level is you use the charting to show deficiencies, right? Where am I vulnerable? Where are my tendencies? And then what am I going to do about it? So in 19 years doing this, as I mentioned, I've been doing this for 19 years with specialists and I've seen a lot of good specialist coaches and I've seen a lot of good ways they evaluate. But when I saw your snap chart, it impressed me because it was, it was several things that I think have to be true. It's objective, it's specific, it's measurable, and most importantly for us football coaches, it is in fact user-friendly. So could you elaborate on your charting system and how you um, kind of use that to, to better your process? Absolutely. Uh, when I got the idea to start charting my own snaps, you know, I was like, this had to be an idea that people have done before. Let me ask around everybody I know in the specialist community, see if they have a snapping chart that they use. What I found was very basic. Didn't cover all the variables that can go wrong in a snap, you know. So I was like, wow, okay, I'll just make my own. So I did. I opened up Microsoft Publisher, found some stock images, put them in there, and then started thinking of variables that make a snap go wrong and ways that that could be represented on paper. So I did there when I, when I chart my snaps, I have on a, a single piece page of paper split into two different charts, one on the left side, one on the right. I have a punt, a, just a outline silhouette of what I call the punter. I drew a little line for his waistband. I put his numbers on there. And that's my punter. And below is a holder and like a clock. And so there's all these annotations that I put into every single snap that I film and chart. You know, the, the color of the ink, the, the shape of the little marker. I number every dot that goes down so I can tell, you know, if I snap the ball high, you know, and that's number 11, and then number 12 is really low. Well, I know, okay, I overcompensated aiming low. Same, vice versa. If 11's low and 12's high, I overcompensated high. I missed left and the next one's right. So I've, I'm pretty much good enough to not do that, not overcompensate. But it's all, you can see from an unbiased standpoint what you're doing, even subconsciously. Yeah. You can tell, you know, I had... Coach, I don't know if you've even seen yet. I had my best day snapping ever yesterday. I saw it the uh, July 12th with the Townsends, I think. Yes, it was phenomenal. I was sitting there. I couldn't even believe my own production yesterday. It was first day back in pads and, you know, I was just wearing pads and helmet. 
And I was like, wow, I really impressed myself. But, you know, it's back to the charting. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, you know, everything I do, it honestly takes me longer to chart the snaps than it takes me to snap them. If I'm out, sure. I'm out snapping for an hour, it'll take me an hour 15 to chart everything. Go through, go through every rep, slow motion, find the little things, put, take notes on the side, annotate all the, you know, blocking right, punting right, you know, oh, I stepped with my right foot first. I need to step with my left foot first, whatever. Yeah, I, because it's not a visual show, I want to describe briefly uh, two two of the my favorite pieces or components of your chart and uh in, in terms of like the body silhouette imagine someone that's listening to the show imagine going to a gun range and you know 20 feet away is that body silhouette where the bullets are hitting the body you can see if you got a headshot or if it missed the body or if it got the left torso essentially what alex does is he he numbers he numbers the snaps so if he say he has 10 balls snap one went right hip he puts that little tiny one exactly at the location, whether it's the hip flexor above the hip flexor, exactly where the location or the result went or occurred. And if there's an outlier, he's got space in the paper, say three was outside the body. He might make a little three or four word phrase of saying, I think I was lagging with my left foot, or I think that I had a, a, a an overly aggressive uh, left hand. That's why it resulted right. Whatever the case may be, um, and what I want to touch on as well, before I go on to the last point is you said something that I think is true. And I think the reason why people don't necessarily ever get a chance to be successful in whatever it is they claim to be passionate about is uh, when you talk to a contractor, when you talk to a painter, when you talk to anybody, not football, but anybody that has a process about what they're going to do in, in, in terms of a long-term project, more often than not, everyone says the preparation is the longest part. Right. The activity itself, and in this case today, it's snapping. The activity is the easy part. And, and, and people call that the work. But I think that you could probably agree with me. The work actually is before and after. You know, it's it, work is everything off the field. Absolutely. absolutely. The, the fun part is on the field. Amen. And I think people fail to realize that. Um, you, if you love football, that's the fun part. But it's what we do off the field to make sure the next experience is better. Um, and I think we need to do a better job, everyone, in, in reflecting on ourselves. Uh, instead of just, you know, be, being okay with working hard that day on the field, that's not going to get it done. That's not, that's not how, that's not how anyone is great. Um, and the last thing is the ball rotation thing fascinates me. You know, he's, we call it quarter turns. And if you want to get real technical, eighth of eighth of a turn could be, could be brought into play too. But we all, we as holders or specialists, we really like for our snappers to give us laces in an optimal place for our hand to put the ball down so the kicker can kick a field goal. Yeah. So you want to, it's for people that aren't specialists. I don't know how many that are not, doesn't know what you want the, the punt snap or the field goal snap to come in rotated correctly with laces pointing directly up when the holder catches. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you were leading into this, I, I have a silhouette also of a holder on my chart at the bottom. And then the clock, it, it really looks more like crosshairs is positioned off to the right. And wherever the laces come in for a field goal snap, um, I mark, I make a little tick mark on that clock, you know, one o'clock or uh, I don't like it, but six o'clock, seven o'clock, 
you know, those are the bad ones. You start getting the 11, 12s, ones, you know, you're in the right spot. And then you can even, I, since I number everything, uh, the silhouette of the holder, I mark where the ball gets to them. And then I mark, I mark the tick mark on the clock. And then I number both of those with the same number. So snap, snap four came in, hit them exactly where I want it, laces up, perfect snap. But then you'll get, you'll get balls. And I found a relation between you'll get high balls. Like if it's snapped up to the holders, like forehead, those, those tick marks will always be moving two, three o'clock. It rotates more just that little bit longer. It's traveled in the, in the higher snap. Yeah. That distance point is you, right. And that's another way I like your chart is sometimes if, especially if someone is very consistently in the same, uh, placement uh location sometimes it's like well instead of going from seven why don't you try seven and a foot see if we can manipulate yeah. that distance point but again that, that's in a vacuum that's assuming you're throwing a straight line and it's and it's very consistent i think what i have a hard time with is when people want to jump over the process like what you're doing and just start moving i'm gonna go eight yards well you don't even snap consistently at seven so how do we know seven is yeah. not your mark uh again it's it's if you want to be great you must put the time in absolutely must put the time in. And I want to end on this point with this. People are probably now freaking out saying, Oh, I don't do this. And it's okay. Cause most people listen to the show are coaches and high school guys. There's not a lot of college long snappers listening right now. Um, So the good news is, and nobody else does. Well, sure. Well, that's what I wanted to say too, is like, I go to some big universities. I'm not going to name names, but I've been to some crazy situations where I've seen the activities of specialists outside of team periods, right? If we have 20 period practice, uh, I don't care what you have. Someone's like, oh, I have 18. Who cares? Not the point. In 20 periods, uh, usually we're involved with two. Okay. Hopefully. I mean, I, I've seen I've seen a little bit more, but hopefully at least two. And the other 18, I've seen the crazy, I, I'm not going to name names, but a major FBS program in our state had set up a, made a fort of like body pads. I know exactly what you're talking right? about. And I've seen, uh, and, yep. I, and then I saw a F- watching March Madness. Sure. And then I saw an FCS team in my area, uh, closer to us in central Florida, um, that was playing essentially American gladiator game, right? With like broomsticks and D-line pull sticks and like, and to me, that is absurd. Instead, I mean, you're there hopefully to, 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 to play, to be a contributor at a high level. You should be doing what you're doing. And I don't care if it's exactly what you're doing, but you should be compartmentalizing your process. You know, one day it should be focused on release. One day it should be on footwork. One day it should be my first five or 10 off the ball. Um, there's so many things that we could refine our system or, or, or process with but I think that sometimes we don't have a lot of direction and that's the purpose of the show is I want to bring guys like you who are forward thinking that are taking full advantage of their time because we do have a lot of it. Uh, and that's dangerous sometimes when we have a lot of time, because if you're a complacent person and if, if you're not self-motivated, you're going to get distracted and you're not going to work on your process. Right. Absolutely. Um, so I want to ask you one more thing, a little bit lighter, but um i think it's important to talk about this and i really want your your honest answer here uh many high school kids that are listening and the and the parents um they they have these aspirations of playing uh at the fbs level that's where you play and i i don't get me wrong i mean that that should be a dream but there's nothing wrong with fcs and d2 um but let's just assume that 
uh, college is the goal. Um, and we've already talked about this a little bit, but many don't realize that there's work that's required to, to be successful, especially as a student athlete at the college level. Could you explain the demands um, of balancing this, this football requirement at UCF with the mechanical engineering classes? Oh, and by the way, you have an internship on top of that. Could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, um, it's definitely not just playing football. It's not a walk in the park either. Football at the college level, especially F FBS, is a huge demand on your time already. Uh, during in the season, we'll have our first meeting at seven fifteen a.m. and we won't be we won't be off the practice field until eleven thirty a.m. And then you have breakfast before that and lunch after. So you know, I was I'm normally up at five forty five on like in the season. I'm up at five forty five every morning. I'm eating breakfast by six fifteen, going in, stretching a little bit, getting some you know getting to meetings early, getting dressed, stuff like that. 7.15, you know, we have meetings and then some days will work out and then practice and, and we're off the field at 11.30 and, you know, you can, you can eat lunch by 12, 12.15. So that's, that's football one for the day. And then you come back for afternoon meetings and our meetings are, well, we have a new staff, but last year they ran 4.30 to 5.30 p.m. So you come in for an hour, sit down, watch all your film from the day. You know, coach, coach has already watched it, been through it. He critiques you and everything. You know, specialists, specialist kickers, especially because a lot of college coaches know kickers. But, I mean, everybody has those meetings. D-line, O-line, quarterbacks. Quarterbacks even go longer. Um, so that's football, too. So you're, you're looking at, you know, four or five hours in the morning and then an hour in the afternoon plus mandatory lunch, breakfast, and dinner, or breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so you add, in my case, mechanical engineering classes onto that. You have, you know, probably four hours of class a day, and you try to throw an internship at, uh, I was at Lockheed Martin, but other internships as well. Lockheed was very kind on my schedule. It's, it becomes your entire day. It's, it's planned from 5.45 a.m. till 7.30 p.m. at least of planned stuff, and then you have homework after that. So during, during 2019, when I – my first year starting, and it was obviously – well, junior year of mechanical engineering classes, so that's pretty rough. And then I had just started my internship that July. I – when practice in the morning was fortunate enough to not have classes between 12 and 4 30. So I would shower and eat as fast as I could drive to my internship, get three hours in there, drive back to be at 4 30 meetings. And then, uh, after that, I had a six o'clock class on Tuesday, Thursday. And, um, after that was homework. So, you know, I was, I was going all day, every day for, you know, the full semester. And yeah, it was a fun time. Very, very hectic. If you could guess, 
um because you this will be your your final year uh collectively you've been there for five if you had to guess in season if there's a 24-hour day which every day is how much time did you have to sleep slash have independent time that wasn't accounted for via class uh weight room study hall uh film on field how much independent time did you have i've actually done that math before here i pulled out my little sticky note i did it on so this is the breakdown of a week and it's it's important to not is this this time breakdown is not including mandatory meals three a day any game day activity so anything on saturday and any homework any homework time spent so we practiced from uh 6 30 to 11 35 days a week that'd be 25 hours i worked 12 hours a week at lockheed which is 12 hours uh, afternoon meetings were an hour a day for four days that's four hours and then hold on this is kind of hard to read i had 12 and a half hours a week of lectures I, the game is four hours and uh, Sunday we had hour long uh, meetings just to evaluate your game and Friday meetings in the hotel were two and a half hours. So adding that all up, that is 61 hours a week. And I don't think the kids that are listening that are not in college yet for every one hour that you're in an engineering class, for example, how many hours of homework <laughs> outside of that class uh it depends on how proficient you are and and depends on the professor like i have a professor right now that doesn't even require homework it's just practice problems if you want to do them and i've had professors that give you you know 20 20 practice problems every section like every chapter 3.2 has 20 practice problems chapter 3.3 has 20 practice problems so yeah i i think in short what we're trying to say is that um it's it's daunting uh especially if you're not prepared for it and your expectations aren't there fully expect that uh, it's not just glitz and glamour you don't just get to wear that pretty jersey and have a cool instagram account with all your friends in the same jersey and a nice locker and a cool weight room and all these things these things are earned and they, they they most assuredly make you earn it i don't care who you are i mean it is a commitment with time uh and honestly, there's sacrifices that have to be made. And I think a lot of it is your social life. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if that's the number one thing in your life in high school and football second, you are going to have a hard time and you're probably not going to make it. <laughs> one of the biggest things my dad told me was there at any given point, there's 10,000 people that would change spots with you in a second. And there's a thousand people that can replace you in a second. So you got to stay above those a thousand and be appreciative that you're, you know, where you are. And so that's, that's what I've always kept me rolling. You know, if I'm dying in a workout, well, there's 10,000 people that would love to be in this workout right now. So let's keep going. You have a good mindset, man. And I think you have to, and um, I'm just appreciative. You know, I want to thank you for, for doing this today. Again, I, I don't need to mention how busy your schedule is, but you did take an hour of your day to, to share with us your story and, and just how you how you attack the day on a daily basis. If, if you wouldn't mind sharing with the audience how they could reach you uh, via social media, if they have a follow-up question on today's show. Absolutely. I'm, I'm here to help anybody that asks. I was actually texting the guy on Instagram earlier. Uh, my Instagram is 
Alex underscore Ward, W-A-R-D underscore 32. I'm not very active on Twitter, but I could maybe read it in like two, three weeks after you send it to me. Uh, but Instagram, I guaranteed to answer immediately. Smart man. I, I don't think if I was on an active team, I think I'd stay the hell off Twitter too. There's just too many trolls. <laughs> but yeah. no, on behalf of everyone at Fourth Down Focus, we just want to thank Alex Wood again for, for sharing all this vital information, especially if you're a, a coach or a, a long snapper in particular. And we hope it, uh, it will help you benefit um, in your performance both on and off the field. Uh, please give us a five-star rating, a review, subscribe to the show, and share it with a friend. If you have questions related to the podcast, suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you just have feedback, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, in several ways. My website is 4thDownU, that's 4thDownU.com. It has endless resources for both specialists and coaches. On Instagram and Twitter, I am at 4thDownU. And on Facebook and LinkedIn, you can find me by simply searching Dan Space Lundy, L-U-N-D-Y. Thank you again for joining us at 4th Down Focus, presented by Bets Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest, another long snapper, by the way, Alex Ward. We're having Jake Tillman, former LS for the Florida Gators. Uh, I hope 21 is treating each of you well, and remember, in all things, give thanks. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.